My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth, and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15-plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Hello, mamas. I am so excited about today's guest. I have Naomi from Little Crown Interiors, and she's going to be sharing with you her six, maybe some more, top tips on creating your dream little nursery for your sweet little baby that's coming soon. And it's really incredible because when you're designing your nursery, you're not only looking at what it looks like and all the little sweet details, but you've got storage and you've got safety and you have a changing, evolving need for different items as your little one grows. So welcome, Naomi. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Naomi, can you take a moment and just tell everyone who you are, what you do, where you come from, and all that? Sure. I'm here in Southern California. And as you said, I have a design studio called Little Crown Interiors. And I fell backwards into it. I graduated design school back in 07, which was right in the middle of that recession. So most of the larger firms weren't hiring. And I had all these lofty dreams of doing institutional design or hospitality or something. And I just ended up taking a job at this little tiny studio here in Costa Mesa that was doing nursery and kids. And back in 2007, that wasn't a thing. (laughs) All we had then was the Pottery Barn Kids catalog, and there wasn't even that much on the internet. This was before Pinterest. This was before Instagram. I started there, and it was a very interesting experience because it was so functional heavy. As you mentioned, there's so much safety involved and there's so many things you have to consider that you don't have to consider when you're doing a living room. And I really loved that, that aspect of it, because I do tend to be fairly technical and detail oriented. So it gave me this opportunity to do both the creative side and the that technical functional side. And I loved that combination. And so I just started my own company in 2008, very shortly after. And now it's almost 15 years later. It's so interesting because you must have really realized, wow, this is my thing. Because I think that's how most of us who find ourselves doing something unique like this, like very niche down or specific, that we just, it does something in our soul. And I don't know if you've read the book, Big Magic. Have you ever read that? Oh, it's so incredible for creatives like yourself and myself. It's basically, she says, there's this magical creative thing floating, and I'm totally paraphrasing, so forgive me, (laughs) but it's floating out there And when it lands on you, your creativity flows. Whereas if you're a creative person, and this is what I know for myself, 
for instance, if a company hires me to write a blog post for them and I'm just not feeling it, I can't write a word. But if big magic lands on me, it flows. So I'm sure there's an aspect of that with you when you're creating these special rooms because these rooms are, they're life changing and they're so valuable to the parents that you're working with. I love it. So today we're going to be talking about your six tips, maybe some bonus tips about creating your nursery space or your dream nursery space. And I'm really excited to hear even tips maybe for moms who don't have a larger budget. So maybe we can throw in that as well. So let's start with tip number one. Awesome. The first tip that I have, and this is I always start here because this seems to be the most common problem that I run into is people just don't know where to start and they're extremely overwhelmed because we're dealing with, you see these amazing spaces on Instagram every day and you just look at what I like this. And then the blog posts with the, you know, here's all the items that you absolutely have to have. And it gets really overwhelming. So the first thing I like to do is have people make a checklist And of course, for my clients, I provide that for them. But if you are on your own, make your own checklist. I also have one in the book of every single item that you think that you need in the nursery and then another column for budget. And when I say every item, every item. So the wipes warmer, the diapers, anything that's going to go inside that room, because I think a lot of parents don't understand that all of those little things can really add up in the Mm -hmm. end. And they're just thinking, oh, I need a crib, a glider, and a dresser, and that's it. But then you start folding in the baby monitor and a rug and a lamp, and, and it just goes on and on, and then they've totally blown their budget. So I like to, if you have that in front of you, as you're going through the process, you can clearly see where your money's going. You can decide which items you want to splurge on and which ones you want to try and save. You can see what items you can put on your registry to maybe save some money there. So having it outlined is really important in the beginning. I love that so much because as you were talking about it, you also can see what you might need storage for. Storage is a big one too. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) because all those little items have to have a home where they're going to live. As the baby ages, you're going to have different needs. So things will go in, things will go out. That's a good point. Make sure you're having things go out, people. Don't hold on to everything. (laughs) It can be replaceable. I mean, it replaced with another baby. Okay, so what is our number two tip? All right, so... Again, this is something I try to really explain to people who are freaking out. And that's just not to worry about getting it perfect because if, especially if you are pregnant, you've got so much going on. You, Your body is going through all of these changes. There's going to be a huge transition coming up. There's all this nesting involved. There can be issues trying to coordinate with your partner, birth planning, all of that. And then you have this nursery to figure out. So the really important thing is they have a safe place to sleep. They have what they need to get fed and diapered and that's it. So if you don't have the perfect chandelier by the time the baby's home, it's okay. You got a bassinet. They can sleep safe. You can change them on the floor if you have to. I know that is antithetical to this big interior design business, 
But I do try to be real with my clients because a big part of my job is to take the stress off of them. And if doing a huge expensive nursery is adding to their stress, then I don't want to do that. So just keep that in mind when you're going through this. Simple is good. It doesn't have to be perfect from day one. And you can always fill in the gaps later. Oh, I love that so much. And I think that's a really important tip for these moms because you're right. They have so much to plan for. And obviously, Mm -hmm. I am 100% about not winging your birth. So you have to be planning for that and educating yourself. But at the same time, you're right. Like it doesn't all have to be perfect and come together because more than likely, baby is not going to be in there very much for the first couple months anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So that's great. Okay. What is our tip number three? Yeah. So that actually flows right into my tip number three, which is to get a bassinet, whether you think you need one. Get one that's returnable if you don't think you're going to use it. But what often happens is people think the baby's going to go right into the nursery from day one. And there's plenty of people that do that and that's fine. But I've had a lot of clients, as soon as they get the baby home, they're not ready to do that. And they want to keep the baby close and having the option ready. So you don't have to go out and get one and then deal with building it yourself while you have this infant. It's great to just have one ready to go And it also can be really important if you're dealing with any type of issue post-birth that prevents you from climbing the stairs. If your room is on a different floor than the nursery and you're stuck on whichever floor your room is in for the most part, you want to be close to the baby. You want to have access. Having a bassinet is great for that because you can move it around with you depending on the design. Yeah. And some parents I'll even suggest getting two, one for upstairs and one for downstairs if you run into that stairs issue. Because a lot of bassinets cannot be picked up and carried very easily. It was a big one. I have a huge speech about the snoo. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because I would mm-hmm. love to hear what it like your obviously we're gonna hear about the snoo. But <laughs> what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite bassinet that is more portable that you lean towards? Is not really for portable. I tend to lean towards the ones that are not as portable for upstairs because ones like the Snoo and the Halo, they come with tech features in them and those are just too heavy to move. Right. So if you're interested in any type of features like that, it, you're going to sacrifice mobility. But those features can be really handy depending. Yeah. But for downstairs, I definitely recommend a bassinet on wheels. So if you're in the kitchen and you need to go walk into the living room, you can just pull it with you. It's Mm -hmm. super easy. One of my favorites for that is there's a Baby Leto Gelato, which is actually technically a mini crib, but it it has the same function and it folds up so you can stick it in the closet when you're not using it. And travel. I love that one. And you could Mm -hmm. travel with that, I would assume. Could you travel with that or no? Probably. I'm not sure exactly how you can pull that for traveling. Maybe a car trip. Yeah. So ones like that that are on wheels for downstairs are great. And then generally the ones for upstairs for bedside are going to be a little heavier. Yeah. I'm just going to say because we had the halo and saying that it's heavy is like no joke. That it's thing heavy and very is awkward. Ridiculously hard to mm-hmm. move. It is so hard to move around. Like, just trust me when I say where you pick for it to go, it's staying. Because postpartum, yes. you are not moving that thing. You will hemorrhage if you try to move a halo bassinet. <laughs> yes. 
Anyway, that was the, was the same. Is it? I haven't had experience with that one, but no joke. Don't move it, ladies. Okay, so tip number four. I love this. We're just flowing along. Yeah. Oh, so I would say that lighting is a very important part of nursery design that sometimes people forget about. And it doesn't have to be expensive, but the tip is to have multiple lighting sources. So if you have a room that has recessed lighting and you just have one switch and it goes on and one switch and it goes on, you bring in an additional lighting source and even just a small table lamp that can go on your dresser or on a little table next to the glider, that gives you a lot of flexibility when you come in there at night. Because if you need to come in the middle of the night, you don't want to flip on <laughs> the, the spotlight, super bright, yeah. massive overhead lighting and risk waking, waking up the baby. So having a little option like that, if you need to sneak in there, if you fall asleep in there and then need to figure out how to get out without tripping, you can just turn on the little light. Hmm. Second. As opposed to your so- iPhone flashlight. Exactly. But you may not have that next to you, but that could work. (laughs) Well, that, yeah, but it's, I'm picturing a much more peaceful, calm, relaxing light than an iPhone Mm -hmm. flashlight. Something a little dim. And then that goes also with windows. So the same thing applies. Flexibility is really great if you can. And when it comes to windows, that usually relates to window treatment. So Having the option to fully black out the window if needed, and also have the option to let in some light. And of course, that can get expensive. Window treatments are very expensive. If you're able to, having both options, so sheer shade and also blackout drapery to give you flexibility because you never know how your baby's going to respond. Some kids will just sleep and then others will lose it over the tiniest bit of light. So Sleep training is a whole other ball game. I don't pretend to know yeah. being an expert there, but that's flexibility awesome. is definitely very helpful. Yeah, I wouldn't even – like the lighting and the window treatments, like I wouldn't even have – I guess maybe instinctively I would figure that out, but I don't think I would purposely think of that. So that's great. I love that. What is our next tip? I'm loving these. <laughs> Good. Let's see. So we already talked a little bit about bringing things in and bringing things out. But planning for future storage is something that I like to do because when you have all these teeny tiny things for the newborn, you have teeny clothes. And if you design a nursery just for those things, you're going to run out of space very soon. Right. And this can also flow into other rooms. So once your child is big enough to start playing with kind of bulkier toys, you might have an area designated for those things that's not in the nursery. So thinking ahead a little bit, where is all this stuff going to go once I once I need the bigger things, those kind of the bouncers and the things that don't easily fit into a closet. Having just a plan for where those are going to go because they're going to be all over. Everywhere. <laughs> it takes over. It's like an alien invasion. It takes over everything. Yes. It's so funny when my grandson's mama was pregnant her and my son were like, we're not going to have a bunch of stuff and we're not going to have toys all around. And it was all about really cute, like boho toys. My grandson's mama should definitely be in design. She's just naturally one of those people. But I tried to warn her that your child will have a personality and children go to the non-trendy 
cute toys. They go to the bright, colorful ones that you would rather not have all over your house. So yes, now her house is covered in all things Batman. So have you heard of Sad Beige? No. Oh, she's this Instagram person and I think it's called Sad Beige. And it's just, she just makes fun of that whole phenomenon of all of our kind of neutral beige things for children now. It is hilarious. I need to, I just wrote it down. I've got to check it out. So you guys let me know if you check it out and tell me what you think. That's so great. I'm going to have to send that to Anna. Okay. So I've lost count. Where are we at? Are we on number six now? I think that was number five. Okay. Yeah. So this is a very small tip, but a very important one. A lot of people get 20 baby blankets and stroller blankets and swaddle blankets, but they don't get a blanket for themselves. And I like to have a big adult size, super cozy, washable blanket that lives on the glider because you will absolutely fall asleep in there and you will absolutely need a blanket. And Having one at arm's reach without having to get up, especially mm-hmm. if you have a baby on you or you know, if you're, you're in the middle of feeding or something, <laughs> yeah. it can be super helpful. So adult size blanket, cozy I, and washable. I love that. I, that's so brilliant because you definitely would want that, especially after having a baby because your hormones mm. are all over the place. So you might want the blanket for a minute and then throw it and then need it right back. Yeah. And then need (laughs) it right back. So that's fantastic. So I love all six of those tips. So now I have a couple questions for you that some of my mamas in my membership asked me when we were talking about this interview, because I was By the way, for those of you guys listening, Naomi sent me her book, Your Perfect Nursery, and it is absolutely stunning. And I've been going through it because I am trying to decorate my office. And if you guys are like me, here's what happens to me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on and I'm going to pick out all the things. and I'm going to create this cute decor and pull it all together. And then I go to Pinterest and I'm like, okay, who the hell are these people that can create such perfect rooms? (laughs) And then I start looking and I go into these rabbit holes and then I get overwhelmed and I turn away from it like it's a really terrible car wreck. And I can't, I get overwhelmed. So I'm looking through your book last night after I got off of my happy hour And I'm like, I'm just going to steal some of these ideas because like I'm looking at this one, this dresser is gorgeous because I need a baby look in some ways, right? But I love that you pull it all together for these mamas because for people like me, I have an eye for detail and I love detail, but I can't pull it all together to make it flow. Do you know what I mean? A lot of times my rooms will look like potpourri because I like this and I like that. So I really love that you put this together in the book. And inside of her book, there's lists. And I'm such a paper person. I love writing and and taking notes. I love real books. I love technology and I love things online. But there's just something about having a pen and paper in your hands. So for Mm -hmm. those of you guys looking for a great book about 
decorating a nursery if you don't happen to be in California and able to connect with Naomi in person, then this is a great book. It's gorgeous. It, I, it's such a perfect book that you could have on a coffee table. It's just so gorgeous. So yeah. here's my questions for you. I got off on a tangent. Here's my question. <laughs> so a couple of my mamas have very small space. So in one of them is living in an RV temporarily. They're traveling and have a, a different season of life right now. So if you have someone who the RV is a very small space, but if you have someone who like my one student lives in the city and has a really small space, where do they start? I know we said start with the checklist, but what would you say to them? Because they still want to have that picturesque, perfect little nursery. Yes. So this is actually something I've dealt with fairly often because we do e-designs all over the country. So I've done quite a few New York apartment nurseries and they are a challenge for sure. But I think going back to the first tip we talked about, just the making that checklist and then going over what can I actually fit and then figuring out creative solutions for the items that you cannot fit, just crossing them off if they're completely unnecessary. One thing, two things really that you don't need are the glider and the dresser. And of course they are so great to have, but if you can't fit a glider in your room, you can use a sofa. You can use your bed. If you are pushed into another room, that's okay. You'll make it work. And similar, similarly with the dresser, it's functioning both as storage and as a changing surface. So the changing surface can be anything. Most people end up using the floor and they make those little kind of travel changing pads that you can fold up and put in a diaper bag. You can use that in house too. It doesn't have to just be a travel one. I know a lot of people who use those even though they have a beautiful changing table because it's just easier sometimes. Or your knees. Sometimes it's your yes. knees. Yeah, I agree. I think I did more diaper changes on the floor and the couch than my changing table. And you don't have to worry about the baby rolling off and it's you have a little bit more downward force. So those are great. And the storage, of course, is going to be the challenge. So if you don't have the dresser, then storage is going to be tricky. But again, if you're in a small space, there are interesting ways you can go up the walls. You can use shelving on the walls for that kind of thing. Underneath beds, the garage, you can just try to be as minimalist as possible, mm -hmm. the things that you have. And I know that's really hard for people, especially people who have big families and there's just gifts coming at you from every direction and there might be some conversations to be had there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. So would you recommend for these moms to have a smaller crib? And is there a reason? I never had a smaller crib, but can baby fit in that until they need to go to a toddler bed if it's a smaller crib or no? Yes, definitely. So there's basically three, three crib sizes. So starting at bassinet would be the smallest one. Then okay. there's a middle one called a mini crib and mm -hmm. then the full size crib. So mini cribs are in between the size of a bassinet and a full size crib. And they're really handy for situations like this where you can't quite fit a full size crib. The downside, of course, is that they're not going to last you as long because they're, the baby will grow out of that. So there does need to be a plan in place for what happens when they can't fit in here anymore. Um because if you can't fit a crib, you probably can't fit a bed. Exactly. So 
there's a little bit of planning that goes there, but yes, definitely for that first, depending on the size, maybe a year or so, maybe a little bit longer to get out of those mini cribs. There's a lot of them now, and there's also the convertible kind. So I know there's two that I know of specific, or three, there's Stoka, the Nestig, and there's Baby Leto just released one. I think it's called Yuzu, where it's like a three-stage crib that starts as a bassinet, converts to a mini, and then converts to a full. So that's an option too, if you just want to use kind of one piece and convert it so you don't have multiple pieces all around to figure out where to put. So there's options out there. Yeah, and it's getting creative. So one thing Mm -hmm. I forgot to ask you, and we had a guest on Holly Choi. Have you heard of her? She's with Safe Beginnings. And we had her on, I think it was episode 26, and she was sharing, which this is not about small spaces, so sorry people, but this is how my brain works. She was sharing about being really cautious what you put over baby's crib or on the wall behind baby's crib. And I know you're in California, so Mm -hmm. this is pretty poignant for you, but me being from Florida, I never thought about what you put on the wall next to baby's crib. So maybe you can share that as well. And if you guys want to listen to a really good episode about newborn safety, go to episode 26 and Holly Choi is sharing some really great informative tips. Yeah. So there's a lot to discuss there. So there's kind of two camps of things that end up over the crib. So the first is like a canopy, a fabric canopy or a crib cover. And then the second would be artwork or decor or something that you're hanging on the wall. So I generally stay away from any type of fabric over the crib because it can pose multiple types of safety issues. I've had clients in the past who just have to have one. And if that's the case, I tell them fine, but you can only use it for two months. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then it's got pictures. Exactly. Yeah. And as soon as they have the baby and realize how potentially destructive they can be, they'll pull that stuff right out. And we had this same conversation years ago with crib bumpers because there was a time when everybody had crib bumpers. Oh, that was what we thought was safe. Right. Yeah. And I would still have clients even after they were deemed unsafe who still wanted them because they were pretty. And same thing, I would just say, fine, but you have to take it out every single time the baby's in there. Which is not, for most of my mamas listening, they've probably never used one. They're not that easy. No, they're not. (laughs) So you have to untie every single little, yeah. And of course, once they really realize that, then it just goes in the closet forever. So that's the kind of the fabric portion of it. And of course, that goes along the same with that. Blankets and pillows, you don't want any of that stuff in the Mm -hmm. crib for a while. When it comes to artwork and hanging things above the crib, this, I would argue that it's not just California that you need to worry about. Because of course, in California, we have the earthquake risk, but there's other reasons that something can fall off of a wall or get hit on a wall. So I just, it doesn't matter to me where you're located. I'm still going to give you the same safety Mm -hmm. speech. And I'm sure you'll see if you look in my portfolio, we do often put artwork over cribs, but we have two kind of main rules. And the first rule is if it goes above the crib, it's going to get bolted to that wall like you've never seen before. Sometimes we'll even do We'll do multiple Z-bars and boltings on the piece itself, and then we'll actually caulk in the outside 
Oh, wow. So it just cannot move. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so for uh, those of you guys listening, the reason obviously is that it can fall and injure the baby. And there was a huge mm-hmm. like trend to put like big buffalo heads and big mm-hmm. things like that on the wall. And I'm guaranteeing yeah. nobody was caulking them on there. Yeah, so we definitely are very serious about the security of hanging. And the second thing is no glass. No glass and no mirrors, nothing that can shatter. Any pictures or art, anything, if it has glass in it, we will take that out and put in acrylic, Okay, uh, which doesn't break. So I didn't even think about that because you have a toddler with a toy and that's that. <laughs> but if they figure out how to pull themselves up and want And bang hit, it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. break if it's acrylic. I said there was two things. Now I have a third. <laughs> that's okay. Third We're about thing, it. And, yeah, and this is it, this is my number one biggest safety rule in general, which is to pay attention. So m- babies' habits are going to develop as they grow. And some kids are just not going to be interested in, t- in tugging on things, pulling on things. Some of them are, and some of them are going to change. All of a sudden, they're going to start recognizing, oh, there's a plug in that outlet. I want to play with that. So paying attention to their habits is super important and monitoring that stuff all the time when you can. So baby monitors, of course, are great, but also just in general, anywhere that they are, if you notice they're starting to get curious about something, anything, if they're in the living room and they start, oh, there's a plant, I want to, what's inside of this pot? Pay attention to that stuff and adjust accordingly. Yeah, I love that because you're right. I've had seven children. I don't know if you know that, but each one of them have been so vastly different. And I'm thinking of Ian and Gavin and Lainey. Like hell, I could have anything that they could potentially (laughs) injure someone else with. And Lainey brought things to a whole new level. And she was baby number six. This kid was an escape artist. Yep. She could get out of anything. And it was almost like I was getting punked because (laughs) I would lay her down in the crib and I would turn around and tiptoe to the door and I would turn around and she'd be right behind me. And I would be like, how? What? It took me probably a week or two to figure out what she was doing. And this is so frightening, you guys. She was pulling up on the side and flipping out. (laughs) At 11, 12 months, I don't even understand. And just for a frame of reference, she's 17 and she's 4'11". She's tiny. At that age, she was like 13 pounds at a year. She was tiny. She was the tiniest little, like she looked like an animated little character that could walk. And it was a frightening time for me because I didn't know what to do. And I ended up getting this thing this tent thing that goes Mm -hmm. under the mattress over the top of the crib and I would have to zip my baby in and she would plaster her face to the edge like, (laughs) let me out, let me out. And I would cry every time I shut the door because I felt like I was putting her in a baby prison. But anyway, that's a whole nother topic. There are Mm -hmm. things to handle that, but I never had that before. So it really is, you just don't know what type of personality your child Mm -hmm. would be. So you have to plan for the most extreme. So I think that's important in that planning. So back to small spaces, we said small crib, but they can still do like little detail touches, I would assume, to make it. absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah, getting little decor and pieces that make you feel good. And I've had, I've even had clients do a little mini nursery in a closet, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You can still, you can put wallpaper in a closet. You can put little wall names and decorations and things. You can get cute crib sheets, all of that. You can still. And that, that was what I was going to ask you is for a tiny space like that, do you recommend an accent wall or wallpaper or would you say more of a light color on the majority of it to make it feel bigger or anything that I don't know that <laughs> in that regard? It really depends on the space. But in general, I would say lean towards lighter colors so it doesn't feel boxed in. Especially if it's inside of a closet, if you're already inside and we've got shadows from the shelving and all of that, keeping it light and bright can be nice. Yeah. But there's no hard and fast rule there. Some people like the kind of closed in, cozy, warm feeling. It's just a preference. Let me ask you one other question that has nothing to do with that. So I hope that helped my moms with small spaces. But when you are working with a client, do you try to get to know their personality so that even though you have their list, you're getting a feel for her and for what vibe she's going for? And do you find that sometimes they have an idea of what they want, but you guys completely change it together? Absolutely. So that's actually a really big part of my job is to essentially read people because more often than not, the clients who are hiring me don't know exactly what they want. They know they want something beautiful and functional and great, but they don't necessarily know how to get there or what exactly they're looking for. So I have to figure that out for them. And that takes some communication. Sometimes I just have to secretly (laughs) pay attention to cues that they're not aware they're even giving me. I have to investigate their inspiration photo. Sometimes they'll give me three inspiration photos and they're all completely different. And I have to figure out why they like all three of them. And there's actually a little bit about that in the book too, because that's everybody. It is everybody. And I can tell you, I went through this with Anna when we were planning our the shop, because I have a shop side of Labor Nurse Mama where we have like handcrafted labor and delivery gowns and swaddles. And I would send her what I thought looked alike. <laughs> and I would be like, oh, I like this and I like that and I like this. And it's all boho. And she would be like, none of that goes together. What are you talking about? It's not all boho. And I'm like, what? And she's no. And even when I was decorating my house, she's you like, we're just going to coin the term like farmhouse bougie because you're going way <laughs> over here to like this French provincial look and way over here to this farmhouse look and it doesn't go together. And I'm uh-huh. like, well, too bad. It's going to be farmhouse bougie because this is what I like. So I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes for those of us who don't have the eye that you have or the experience, we really think that what we're sending you goes together and is similar. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I have clients who do exactly that. And then I have clients who are fully aware that the stuff doesn't go together. They just don't know how to make it go together. Okay. So they want to yeah. blend and they know they want to blend, but have the issue of thinking that it might be similar, but it's not. So I love that. And I love the services that you offer. So you mentioned that you do in-person in the Orange County area correct? Orange County and Los Angeles. 
Okay. And then you also do virtual design. I was looking at your blog earlier or your website. And can you explain that to my mamas who are listening, what that includes and how that, what that looks like? Yeah. So we actually started doing e-design way before COVID. So luckily I it's had that not a COVID baby. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we had that all already in place. And then when COVID hit, we started, of course, doing a lot more of those, but they're great for anybody who's in the US who just needs some help getting it together, but can handle the installation themselves. Okay. So of course that's the key is they can order everything on their own and then put it together themselves. And how it works is basically we do a Zoom call first and we get to know each other and I can do a little bit of that reading I was telling you about. And we have a questionnaire and all this stuff to get all this info. And they'll send their inspiration photos and we'll talk about what they want. And then we'll do a floor plan to make sure everything's going to fit properly. And then we'll do a design that includes either a design board or a full rendering, depending on their preference with a big shopping list of all of the items with links and prices and all of that can go ahead and order on their own. Um, And then we'll edit, of course, to tweak the room here and there, depending on what they like and don't like, but it works out really well. And then any little questions, if they, okay, I got the art, but I'm not exactly sure how high to hang it. They'll just email it and we'll respond. We try to make it as easy as possible for people to get a designer experience. Um, but also the kind of fun DIY of getting it put together themselves. Yeah, I love that. Can you please do like office spaces? Because (laughs) that's exactly what I need because I really do love the application of it and bring it all together. But I just am all over the place when it comes to like, I literally turn away from it and okay, never mind. I'm not doing it right now. (laughs) I was just going to ask you, do you, when you provide the clickable shopping list, do you do different budgets for similar items? Okay. Oh, you mean in the, so usually we'll do, we'll design the room. We'll do one shopping list with everything that's shown in the design plan. And then depending on what their budget is, if we need to do a couple, here's a few lower budget options, that's fine. We'll include that. But of course, that's also part of the editing process. So if somebody says, I love this, but maybe I want something a little less expensive, then we'll provide an option for that. Yeah, because I love when I look at design blogs and they have the high-end option and the budgeted Mm -hmm. option. I love seeing that because you never know. Like There are certain items that in my office that I would totally splurge on and then there's some, no, I need the cheaper Mm -hmm. version. I'm with that. So I love that. Thank you so much for coming to this interview, Naomi. It was really informative. And I know know that my listeners and my students and my members are going to just love hearing your tips. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And for those of you guys who have listened, again, you can grab Naomi's book. I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's called Your Perfect Nursery. And it's really beautiful, you guys. And you can also find her on Instagram as? Yes. Instagram is at Little Crown Interiors. Perfect. And from there, I think you can find her blog and all of her services. And if you guys end up using her, make sure you tag us on Instagram because I would love to see the finished product. Thank you so much. 
Hey, Mama, I hope you enjoyed this episode where I talked to Naomi about creating your perfect nursery. Whether you have a ton of room or small room or barely any room, I think there's some nuggets for all of you guys. Thank you for listening. Hit subscribe. Leave us a review. Tell us what you want to hear more of. And as always, I'll see you again next Friday. Bye for now.